Yeah, just put your phone away, turn off all the lights in your house. Like, right, yeah. Pop a bag of popcorn. Yeah. Do what you got to do. Got a bottle of Gatorade so I don't have to go to the bathroom. Uh, empty bottle of Gatorade. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, you just just like I do in a movie theater. You just- you just can't pause it when you go to the bathroom to preserve <laughs> right. that movie theater experience. <laughs> yeah. Hello, and welcome to Did You Do Your Homework? The pop culture podcast connecting academic ideas to popular media. I am one of your two co-hosts, a cowardly and superstitious lot uh, known as Pete Romberg. Uh, joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host. Uh, Martha Sullivan, who missed that reference. Oh, that's what criminals are to Batman. They are a cowardly and superstitious lot, so he will dress as a oh, bat to frighten them. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, well, we are talking today about Batman in a variety of... Uh, media portrayals. This is all sort of gearing up to the forthcoming The Batman movie, uh, which is uh, coming out in theaters and just theaters? I think just theaters, just yeah. The- yep. Also, uh, I believe I believe the plural is Batsman. I agree. Uh, and in fact, our the title of this episode is in fact Batsman. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, good. We are in total agreement and alignment on this one. Um, but so this episode, we're going to be talking about Batsman. Uh, but before we get into all of that, it's only fair that we share with you what is stuck in our head uh, this week. That is whatever piece of pop culture we want to be talking about. Uh, Martha, why don't you kick us off? So I am going to apologize to our listeners just right up front if I have already talked about this on the show, but I'm moving at the moment. So Woo-hoo. my brain is made of oatmeal and full of holes. So deal with it. Um, what is stuck in my head right now is how happy I am for Guillermo del Toro that Nightmare Alley got nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. <laughs> Are you as confused um, as I am that it was nominated for anything at the Oscars? I mean, honestly, no. Let us not forget that Guillermo del Toro won Best Picture and Best Director for The Shape of Water mm-hmm. just a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, del Toro is my favorite current working director i think that Mm. he does really interesting stuff i think he is frequent i think he is consistently visually fascinating um i love how he can make a movie that is deeply self-indulgent but also like incredibly rich and relevant like Mm -hmm. the the self-indulgence doesn't hurt his work because he has such a strong artistic vision um i watched nightmare alley the red hot moment it was available on hbo max and i adored it and now i'm just really like it's not gonna win best mm-hmm. picture right. um del toro did not get a best director nomination um but i'm really glad that now people are talking about it again it is a i i love like i truly loved it um And since most of the movies that I loved from last year were roundly ignored at the Oscars, it was really nice to have something that I deeply, deeply loved uh, get some recognition. So hashtag justice for the Green Knight. Truly. Um, And the last duel. And the last duel. What the heck? Yes. Um, I have not seen Nightmare Alley yet. I was just flabbergasted that like two weeks before it 
dropped, I learned about it for the first time. It's like, what what is Warner Brothers or whomever is distributing this movie doing such that they have the next film by the guy who made Shape of Water and there is no... And, and with an insanely stacked cast and there's just no lead-up promotional materials and then it disappeared the instant it arrived. Um, so you're right that now that it's, it's sort of back up in the Oscar discussion, um, I'm remembering that it exists because I had entirely forgotten it existed. Uh, so I'll, um, I'll be adding it to my watch list. It is also a remake mm-hmm. of a movie that was originally released in, I believe, the 1940s. Uh, that is now, uh, it's a Criterion film, and I think it is, can be watched on the Criterion channel Ooh, right nice, now. Nice. So I am very, very much looking forward to watching the original. Um, and I, I, just... I think both of them were based on a book. Correct. Yeah. Um, but yes, I love circus stuff. I love depression era circus stuff. I love weird spiritualism stuff. Have we talked about the HBO show Carnival? Um, maybe ever... I watched a couple episodes of it and kind of bounced off of it. Okay. Um, I got into that show my freshman year of college. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was my first exposure to Clancy Brown. Um, <laughs> which is like hey if i got one thing out of that show clancy brown is a good thing to get out of that show i would give it another shot just because it uh, like superficially it does have all of this stuff that i really enjoy um i i seem to remember that my primary kind of concern about the first couple episodes is i didn't really think that the couple of the different storylines they have going on were super well integrated at the beginning I'm also willing to admit that as the show progresses, that that is probably something that changes. So the problem is this was one of those like grand creator vision. It's going to be a six season arc where each set two of two seasons and then canceled. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, there's a lot of lore and world building that gets cut off at the knees and then nothing ends up happening. <laughs> yeah. Also another one of my concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, but this is not this is not an episode on Nightmare Alley or 1930s circus spiritualism shows. Uh, so, um, just to keep this moving along a little bit more, unless there's anything else you want to say about Nightmare Alley. Not at the moment, but cool. you should tell us what is stuck in your head. Yeah, uh, what's stuck in my head is the new Beach House album, Once Twice Melody. Um, Beach House has been slowly rolling this album out over the last couple months. They've been sort of dropping... Um, basically like a quarter of the album at a time every few weeks and they finally have come out with like the whole they finally dropped the last quarter of it um beach house is a dreamy synth pop band uh i've talked about them on this show before i'm certain um once twice melody is their biggest sprawliest messiest album it's an hour and a half long uh and there's sprawl to it Luckily, Beach House is the kind of band where you can just put them on and then, like, sort of bask in them because it's it's dreamy synth-pop melodies, so you're just sort of being carried away on the ocean of the soundscape that they're creating. Um, but then there are a couple songs that really jump out at me. Masquerade on the third disc or the third part really sounds like a... I don't know how to describe it. It might be almost like a New Order soundy thing. Uh, there's lots of lots of M83, lots of 80s sort of synthy elements in this album. Uh, sort of, they're definitely playing with a lot of similar but new sounds for them. Um, some of which don't really pop, and some of which really do. Um, 
If you're a fan of Beach House, you've probably already listened to this album. If you're not a fan of Beach House, I'm not sure if it's the album I would tell you to, like, make your introduction to them. Um, but it's a it's a great album. The The lead single, Once Twice Melody, is a absolute earworm, great song. Uh, and I'd also recommend checking out the song Masquerade for sort of an 80s um, driving forward momentum New Order kind of sound. Uh I don't I like know how you answered my question, uh, which was uh, that you have not heard <laughs> Beach House. Like, should I like would it? I, <laughs> would I like this album? <laughs> um, I, like, have you heard any other Beach House? Not that I'm aware of. Okay, I would check out Depression Cherry as as an album from 2015, or as their as your first sort of intro. Um, your your lyrics forward, and mm-hmm. Beach House is not lyrics forward. They're all about like yeah dreamy synth pop dream pop i will say i'm lyrics forward but i also enjoy putting on like lo-fi or synth stuff to listen to while i'm reading sure because as nature abhors a vacuum i abhor a silence i'm with you 100 percent on that one (laughs) (laughs) uh I, I grew up in a household that was all that always had music on, and I'm I am now the same way as an adult. Uh, Marin did not, and so I'll just like r- like wander in the living room, and she'll be reading. I'm like, why is there no music on? This is weird. What's going on? <laughs> it makes me silence makes me feel like I'm losing my mind. Yes, yes. I'm like, well, this is fine, but you know, it'd be better anything else. <laughs> Literally anything else. Yes. Um. Yeah. So I'd, I'd recommend like checking out Beach House. Uh, you could probably just go to Spotify and like do their top songs or whatever um this is one of the things that i miss about it's one of the like two or three things i miss about being in high school if we were in high school you would just make me a mix cd oh yeah totally and be like listen to these things (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes i miss that yeah all right well that uh is is sounds about as good a time as any to take a short break um so we'll make we'll take a short break as i make a mixed cd for martha uh, i'll do it on a cassette <gasps> tape how about that um well no <laughs> I, I i have no way to play or produce a cd i guess other than i could play it in my car um so the idea even of like mixed cds i'm like wait i can't actually do that <laughs> truly that used to be like the Constantly. deepest form of affection yeah absolutely um but now, now no longer. Uh, anyway, I'm, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about the Batsman. And we are back. Uh, so we're looking at three different film adaptations of Batman in the lead-up to the Pattinson The Batman movie uh, coming out next week. We might be talking about that as well in a terms of excitement, expectations, thoughts, what we're looking for out of our Batman. Um, there have been many Batmans over time. Uh, going as far back as, uh, you know, obviously there's the comic books, there's the, the Adam West Batman 
uh, and then we get into the the more modern movie adaptations. We're looking at three um, very distinct and very different Batmans. We're looking at Batman, the 1989 Tim Burton film, starring uh, Michael Keaton in the titular role. Then we're fast-forwarding uh, six years to Batman Forever, the 1995 Joel Schumacher movie with uh, Val Kilmer in the titular role. And then we're jumping ahead another decade to 2005 with Batman Begins, Chris Nolan's uh, first of his Dark Knight trilogy movies uh, with Christian Bale in the titular role. Um, obviously, we could also be bringing Ben Affleck's Batman in here. We've got the Batman the Animated Series. Uh, where we may or may not talk about them at some point, but we didn't want to do those as homeworks. Um, it just became too unwieldy. We needed to make some decisions somewhere, and frankly, neither of us really wanted to watch a Ben Affleck Batman movie. So, um, no, so what we we're didn't. doing, we're charting the we're charting the course of the development of Batman through some like iconic time periods for the character, and these are and all... frankly. I don't think that you can call Snyder's Batman iconic in any way. I I would also say, and and Snyder is at least this: these are all radically different takes on Batman. Affleck's Batman is similar enough to Bale's that it felt a little like you've got the Snyder on top, but the tone felt more similar to Bale than than these three examples feel to each other. I think. Um, but let let's get into it. Uh, the first one of these is the 1989 uh, Tim Burton Batman movie. Uh, this was the um, basically the genesis of the modern superhero film. Uh, it made literally all the money in the world and uh, starred not only uh, Michael Keaton as Batman in a incredibly divisive uh, casting choice. Even back then, the nerds on the fanzines were up in arms about casting this weird rom-com actor as Batman, how dare you. Uh, but it also stars Jack Nicholson as the Joker in a truly iconic role. Um, Kim Basinger as Vicky Vale, a reporter and love interest. Robert Wool as a uh, journalist, uh, Knox. Uh, we got Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. Billy D. Williams putting in an appearance as Harvey Dent. And Michael Goo, uh, Michael Goh, Goh. Spell it. G-O-U-G-H. He's Alfred, the guy who plays Alfred. Um, Michael, I think it's Goh. I think it's Goh, yeah. Uh, Michael Goh yeah. is um, uh, Alfred, a role which he will be rep reprising for all four of the 90s Batman movies. Um, like I said, this movie made all the money in the world and created the modern-day superhero boom and movie. Uh, was Tim Burton's blank check to do literally anything he wanted for the rest of time um and is a great film uh also ha music by danny elfman and music by prince both of which are still uh great scores slash soundtracks to listen to i don't know how to describe prince's music inspired by the movie thing um i don't know the premise of the movie is that uh Batman is a guy who dresses as a bat and fights crime because his parents were murdered in an alley and now he fights crime uh, in Gotham City. Um, Jack Nicholson is a mobster who falls in a vat of acid, becomes the Joker, uh, and wages a war of terror on Gotham and uh, is eventually stopped by Batman. There's a love interest role uh, played by Vicky Vale. She's a reporter. Uh, the Joker is also into her. We have duality of Bruce Wayne versus Batman, although not as much as this is in other movies that we'll be talking about. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. I, I feel like it's I feel like I'm having a bad time describing it and I'm just doing the very broad strokes because this is a it's a movie that's so seeped into the the cultural DNA that it's just it's like trying to describe Star Wars, you know, Um it it's just omnipresent. Uh but that could be because, spoiler alert, I grew up in a Batman household where, uh, especially my younger brother, but myself as well, were deeply into Batman. So this just was part of the ether that I swam in growing up. It's fine. No. I don't know. I don't have strong feelings about the Michael Keaton Batman movies. And I think part of the problem is that everybody on the planet is going to have the strongest feelings about the first Batman movie that they watched. Well, that's interesting. The first <laughs> Batman movie I watched is Batman Forever. I think. It's the first one I saw in theaters. I was going to say, um, well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I just this one. It's d- like I'm. 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 Is it just something where you watch and you're like, okay, that was a movie from the late '80s, and it's Batman, and it's fine. Uh, I kind. I mean, the problem that I have with both of the Michael Keaton Batman movies is that they are they have very very little interest in making sense. It there um R- returns is definitely an all vibes movie. This is this is and vibes. they're not great. They're not they're not good <laughs> vibes. That there we we will agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> um, but, uh, do do you have a, a Burton take like before he went off the rails? But like Burton when he was sort of like firing on all cylinders. Um, are you a fan of like you know Beetlejuice or any of those, or is it all just sort of like? Yeah, no, I like I I so okay. Actually, that helps that helps me okay. to frame it like that. What I think my problem is with this one with Batman, and I just went and I found my ranking of all of the pre Snyder Batman movies because I I wanted to see where I put this one. I just rewatched all of these movies like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Which your, um, your your ranking is the genesis of this uh, episode. Yes. Because I saw it and I said, <laughs> Pete wanted what? To, <laughs> Pete wanted to yell at me. Um, I think my my issue is that this one almost isn't Tim Burton enough. Like, Whoa. it's, Tim Burton is, like, Beetlejuice for me is peak Burton. It is super weird, but it is a coherent story with motivations that make sense and a plot that mostly goes from A to B. Mm -hmm. This Batman movie is not weird enough. And then Batman returns is too weird with that doesn't care about character motivations and has a plot that looks like a murder thumbtack board with yarn. (laughs) Batman returns doesn't care about Batman. Is the thing like it is? It is a Batman movie where Batman is like a tertiary character. Um, I kind of feel like in Batman, though, like I don't know that our hero needed to be Batman. But part well, but of that, but then also... how do you get the Joker? 
Like Bur- Burton, and I, I feel like this is true with a lot of I'm Batman like, movies yes. in general, is that the villains are so iconic and so big and bold that there is a tendency for Batman to sort of slip into the background and and for all the focus to be on the villains. Um, I also, and I will say, I also remembered Jack Nicholson's Joker as being much more over the top than he is, or than I felt, like, my recollection was more so than my experience rewatching it. You thought he was more Tommy Lee Jones's Two-Face than what he's actually doing. Correct. Yeah. Um... Which is not really a knock either way against the character. Sure. Except that, again, I I sort of feel like Batman villains, by their definition, should be absurd. So I'm a strong... they, They should either be absurd or sympathetic. And Jack Nicholson's Joker is neither. No, I think he's, I think he's exactly, he's, he's threading the needle exactly right of like comedic and over the top, but also sinister. Like he's, he's got his gags, he's got his goofs, but he's also like, you know, I'll rip your lungs out kind of guy. And that's, uh, I, I I I like that, that threading of like, I'm weird, I'm wacky. I've got a joy buzzer that electrocutes you, but also I'm like deeply sinister and evil. Oh, see, I would like to preface everything I'm about to say with the fact that I did enjoy him in this role. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) I I think he could have pushed it more. I think this is the Joker from whence our future Joker incarnations come from. I think what we see in this Joker is a lot of what we see in the different Batmans in that Nicholson's joker is a foundational character Mm -hmm. and future incarnations pick different characteristics that start with him to push further like yes and with him with uh, with jack nicholson they're all there they're just not all there at the same levels as they are with other people who are choosing different parts to emphasize over others right like when when we get to, to dark knight before Dark Knight came out, everyone was like, how can Heath Ledger possibly top what Nicholson did as the Joker? Um, and then Ledger did his own separate thing, which arguably is better, but also whatever. Uh, and it's then, different. But it's different. It's a- different. Absolutely. Um, it's a different take, and it works great. Uh, and then when we get to Jared Leto and, you know, all and Joaquin Phoenix and all the rest of it, it's like, Ledger sort of broke through. And I, I feel like for Leto, there was the sense of like, listen, you're not going to top Ledger or Nicholson, so... Yeah, I have damage tattooed on your head. Whatever, who cares? Um, this is a Ugh. bad movie that you're in. Um, and at that point, the character sort of spiraled out in all sorts of directions. Um, and and like you know, growing up in the '90s, Mark Hamill's animated series Joker was also such a big uh, foundational like Joker element as well. Um, but and and here's something about Nicholson's Joker in which I'm sort of. I I think why he works for me in a way that he doesn't work for you is that he's like contextualizing this he's responding off like the caesar romero joker from like the 60s and and this whole film is sort of it's not in dialogue with that directly but everyone's knowledge of batman up until the time that this movie came out was the adam west batman and this presented such a radically different take um 
that it it sort of it reset the Batman clock. And I think that every other Batman movie since then has been in like obviously direct dialogue with its predecessors um, of just how you know how much do we return to that campiness? How far do we go in the serious direction? Uh, and to me, eighty nine does a, a good job of threading the needle of like there's some camp, there's some fun, there's heightened stylistic design. It's all Burton, you know, gothic. Uh, the the cathedral at the end is like that's a forty story cathedral you have in the middle of downtown Gotham sounds great, uh the the city hall front steps thing with the giant hooded statues love it more of that please um but then you also have like you know a, a more serious tone to it whereas obviously Nolan pushes hard on the serious Snyder pushes hard on his own particular brand of serious. Um, this new Batman seems like it's pushing hard on the serious. And then the late nineties, the Schumachers push real hard on the camp. Um, and I know we've talked about before many times off air that you want to see Batman. You want to see some fun Batman because for I the do. past two decades, we've had the option of serious or more serious. Um, which is actually a very good segue into mm-hmm. Batman Forever, mm-hmm. if you would like to pass me that torch. I was I was about to uh, <laughs> to tee you up for that anyway, so excellent. Wonderful. So, Batman Forever, 1995, uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, um, starring Val Kilmer as Batman, Tommy Lee Jones as uh, Harvey Two-Face, Jim Carrey as the Riddler, Nicole Kidman as Dr. Chase Meridian. The Chris best O'Donnell. name in all these movies, hands down. Correct. <laughs> uh, Chris O'Donnell as Dick Grayson. Michael Goh as Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, Pat Hengel as Commissioner Gordon. Drew Barrymore as Sugar. <laughs> and Debbie Mazur as Spice. Yes, it was important that I name those people. Uh, but this is a movie about Edward Nigma, who is a researcher in the... Um, Wayne Foundation R&D department. He is developing a device that will allow him to read and uh, ultimately control people's minds. Uh, But when he shows it off to Bruce Wayne, his idol, Bruce Wayne puts the kibosh on that because uh, he wants to move it into human testing. And he says, "Mm, no, sounds dangerous. (laughs) You invented a machine that lets you read people's (laughs) minds. Maybe, maybe we don't do this. Uh, so this ends up being Edward Nigma's uh, The Joker moment, which <laughs> causes him uh, to be terminated from the lab and to uh, basically spiral um, into the personific- the take on the, the personification of the Riddler. Um, although he is also just developing this as a private research endeavor uh he eventually hooks up with two-face who is like the big name in gotham city crime at the moment and while the two of them begin developing their criminal empire bruce wayne is off uh courting therapy with dr chase meridian who he meets at a benefit uh he takes her to the circus where he sees uh the flying graysons perform two-face crashes the performance with a really big bomb and says he's going to blow everyone up unless uh, Batman reveals who he is. Um, while this whole chaotic scene is playing out, uh, Dick 
Grayson um, saves everyone from the bomb, but his whole family gets killed in the uh, aftermath. So he ends up going to live with Bruce, which is how he adopt ultimately ends up adopting the uh, alter ego of Robin. Um, there's a lot of back and forth. Edward or the Riddler discovers who Batman's secret identity is, kidnaps Dick and Dr. Chase Meridian and tells Batman that he has to choose. Is he the bat or is he Bruce? Um, but because he's Batman, he figures out how to save them both. (laughs) Um, Pete is aghast with me because i'm about to tell all of our listeners that this is my favorite batman movie yeah this this is the reason why we're doing this episode (laughs) this is so here is my here is my case for this movie batman as a character takes himself completely seriously however batman as a character is ridiculous yes He's, as, think, as is mentioned in many movies, he's a grown man who dresses up as a bat and punches criminals in the face. I fully believe that Batman Forever is the Batman movie that most, that best balances the ser- like the self-seriousness of the character with the campiness of the villains and the Gotham City setting um, and the fact that Bruce Wayne dresses up as a bat and goes out at night. Um, Unlike the 280, the two Michael Keaton Batmans, Batman Forever is the first movie that we see that kind of confronts the fact that at the end of the day, Batman slash Bruce Wayne doesn't really know who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he, he adopted this identity in order to uh, pursue vengeance for his parents, but has gotten so lost in it that now he, as much as the Riddler is, as much as Two-Face is, Batman is a person who is split down the middle between two different identities. Yeah. And this movie grapples with that question in a very direct way. Um, also, it looks great. Um, it looks better than it has any right to, considering what it looks like. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's, it's a strong aesthetic and vibe. But it's a fun one. It is. And I postulated that the sequels, so Batman Returns and then Batman and Robin, are two sequels from two different directors. No, both. They're both Joel Schumacher. No, one of them is Tim Burton. Wait, you said Batman Forever and Batman and Robin or Batman Returns? No, Batman and Returns and <laughs> the, Batman The problem and Robin. with these names is that Returns and Forever are very similar, <laughs> so even though Burton's, they're not. Yeah. So Burton's sequel and Schumacher's sequel. Gotcha. I think suffer some of the same down or pitfalls. Going too hard in the thing that made the original movie like unique. Yes. So a in many ways, both of the sequels are like a redux of the movie that they're following, but with the wheels totally off. Like, we are off the train tracks, and Joel Schumacher pushes that envelope way harder, just in terms of, like, visuals and campiness. Like, they're both pushing the envelope 
very, very hard on different ways and both cause their trains to go completely off the rails. Um. <laughs> uh, again, I, I disagree with Batman Returns because that's a movie that I, I enjoy and I enjoy the I enjoy where that train crash is going. Um, but I also see I've had it, it's not I found I found Batman Returns to be such a deeply unpleasant watching experience. It shocks me. For- to hear anybody talk about enjoying watching that movie. So, like, I, I love Batman Returns, but I absolutely understand that it's a, like, your mileage may vary, and if you were like, I did not enjoy that at all, I'm like, yep, that, I, I'm not gonna argue against you, because that makes sense. <laughs> um, uh, so that, that's one that I'm willing to, I'm very happy to be like, I, I, I love what the, what it's doing, I, I love so many of the vibes, uh, but I understand that it's not for everyone. Um, Going back, yes. go, so, back to Batman Forever. Um, back to Batman Forever. So, I this is certainly a more nuanced interpretation of Batman, and I always love a adaptation where, or a, a version where Batman is grappling with the, um, who is the mask? Is Bruce Wayne the mask, or is Batman the mask, right? Like, that's that's a fun thing to get into. Uh, I think this does a, an okay job. I think, I think Nolan's... Batman Begins also grapples with it in a pretty interesting way. Um, but I don't disagree. But uh, uh, Keaton, Keaton's Batman. Um, one reason I don't think it grapples with it is because when when Tim Burton approached Keaton to to take on the role, uh, Keaton wasn't entirely on board. Like read the script and then was like, "Okay, here's my take on the character. I don't think you're gonna like it." Uh, this dude's a crazy person. He's just full on a crazy person. And Tim Burton's like, nope, that's exactly right. You should play it that way. Um, and so that's like, I'm paraphrasing, but like that's, that is Keaton's Batman. Like both his Batman and his Bruce Wayne are like, are playing like someone who's broken enough that they're going to go dress up like a bat and fight crime, but also not address it in any meaningful way. Whereas here with Kilmer, I think he is, he plays it, I really liked his performance more than I remembered. He comes off both as Batman and as Bruce Wayne as like just a professional. Like he he knows his stuff. He's here to either run a business or punch criminals in the face, but he's gonna do he's gonna do it in a like efficient and professional manner. Um and I, I really kind I, of appreciated that take on it. I also think that he is better than Keaton or truly better than George Clooney at this. And I, I say that as somebody who likes George Clooney as an actor and thought that he was a pretty abysmal He's, Batman. Yeah. Um, in the same way that, again, I think Christian Bale gets this too. Val Kilmer's Batman or Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne, I guess, gets to be smart. Yeah. Like Michael Keaton doesn't really have a chance to pull off the like greatest detective. Keaton has angle. a few he has a few like staring at at computer monitors which work for the vibes. Also he like he's dressed like um uh Steve Jobs. St- yeah, yeah, thank you. He's dressed like Steve Jobs before Steve Jobs dressed that way, which is fantastic. Um but like he 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 does have a couple moments in Batman of being like being able to be a bit of a detective, but you're right. Watching forever. I'm like, he's solving riddles. He's putting together clues. He's, he's talking to Dr. Chase Meridian about psychological ideas using possibly made up terminology. 
Um. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that Val Kilmer gets to be smart because I, I think that this is an aspect that gets lost in Batman movies pretty frequently that like he is also supposed to be a genius. Like, and I, I think that's because it's so hard to film like the shoe leather work of detectiving when you are also trying to fit in punching bad guys, right? Like Sherlock maybe, Holmes, Sherlock Holmes I... movies work because unless you're um, Guy Ritchie, you're not expecting Sherlock Holmes to punch bad guys. The animated movies get to do it a lot, though. Uh, the animated Batmans or Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, animated Batmans. That's true, but that's also like, that's your classic. Well, and here my, my touch point is only Batman, like the animated series slash Mask of the Phantasm. Um, and, and that's like that's your good like thirty minute episodes of like I don't know again it's a lot of like nineties looking at a computer punching some codes be like ah yes cool no computer, I mean solve the so problem for, me. for a very long time and kind of still true um the best animated or the best DC movies were the animated DCU stuff okay. So I've seen quite a few of them. Are, are these, these like are... the the animated adaptations of like famous comics? No, they're full on like feature length animated films. Oh. Sorry, I, I just don't. I just don't I know. I love them these. too. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, there's a bunch of Batman ones. There's a bunch of Superman ones. There's a couple of like animated Justice. It's it's like the animated Justice League stuff. Okay. So same van. Okay. Um. But yeah, like those and Mask of the Phantasm absolutely qualifies under this as well. Like those movies have consistently been like, oh, this is the way that I understand Batman in a way that the live action movies kind of always miss a yeah. little bit yeah. for me. I almost had I almost wanted to have Mask of the Phantasm as a fourth uh, homework for this for this episode. It's a very good movie. <laughs> it really is. Um, but yeah, and I, I think that Val Kilmer to me is the most interesting Batman because he gets to be emotive and like dryly humorous about his sort of situation. Um, I like a Batman that can kind of acknowledge that what is going on is ridiculous. So part, part of that ridiculousness comes from like Schumacher leaning hard into the camp. And it's also coming from Warner Brothers. Um, Batman Returns was, in their minds, a bit of a flop. Like, it made back all its money and then some. Uh, it made uh, friggin' killing. But because it was so dark and off-putting and horny and, like, <laughs> difficult for children to watch and stuff, um, you know, they didn't get the toy line they wanted out of it. McDonald's shut down the Happy Meal tie-in. All that stuff. Um, so when they came about making this third movie a driving idea that they wanted for this movie was toyetic. We want to be able to make a lot of toys off of this. Um, and first off, that worked 100%. I definitely had a Batmobile from Batman Forever and probably a bunch of other toys too. I was going to say, did um, you also have the boat? Because I think I had the I boat. Did I, had a boat that turned in, <laughs> I had a boat that turned into a car, and I don't remember if that was from this one or from Batman and Robin. Um, <laughs> well, this, I mean, Batman Forever has the You Sunk My Battleship Exactly, scene. exactly. Um, <laughs> this was the first Batman movie I saw in theaters, and I forgot how many moments of it are just burned into my brain. Um, in a way that, like, I would, I could drop a quote from it and be like, I wonder what that movie's from. Or, like, I, I don't know where that quote was from. It's just some 
a, a random phrase that's been bouncing around in my head for 25 for years. me it is for me it is indelible in a way that the keaton batman movies just kind of aren't hmm, hmm. um uh, but the, but the like the to to put a bow on my last thought um the 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 like toyeticness of this the idea that like we have a bat cave with all these different items we have the bat paint plane boat car bunch of different suits blah 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 um also leads to that sense of like sort of fun and not taking it seriously um in this like in a different way like Burton had a lot of like toys two in a way but not not to the same level as this uh and then when we get to batman begins that's sort of like way out the window of what we what we care about in this movie and i guess i just i think that on some level properties based on comics should be able to say should be able to poke a little bit of fun at themselves because superheroes are (laughs) insane i i so I, I think Batman especially, and this is sort of my thesis statement for this whole episode, um, Batman is a character who, and a, a media IP uh, vomit, um, who can and should inhabit many roles. Like, there is there is and should be a place for a campy, fun, you know, adventure Batman. There can and should be a place for a serious, dour Batman. Um at various points in time, the pendulum swings too far in one direction or the other. And I think that for the past 20 years in in film, we've really only had, as I said, serious or more serious or Snyder serious Batmans. And it is time for the pendulum to swing in, in the opposite direction. I'm looking forward to the new Batman movie. I think it looks fun. But I would also be pretty stoked if they, if they announced that they were going to do like you know, a Batman Forever style, but in a 2020s, you know, vibes, uh, you know, a, a, a fun, adventuresome Batman rather than a grim, dark, my parents are dead Batman. Well, and part of it for me is just the kind of fatigue over that. Like, I have no problems with, and we're about to get into it, Um, I have no problems with the Batman Begins, like, taking us back to a like serious played straight Batman. What exhausts me is that that was so popular that it set the tone. And and I think that this is, this was also true for the Keaton Batman. Like the success of Batman begins changed the way that people made superhero movies. Yeah. And now that's all we get. (laughs) And that's exhausting. We, we get that and we get Marvel, which is, um, Marvel definitely, like, ha- Batman Begins is a ancestor to Marvel. Like, there's a lot of DNA of Batman Begins in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but Marvel does go in a more fun-loving direction than DC goes. Because DC just takes all the worst, all, all the most dour elements of the Dark Knight series and triples down on them. I, I do think we're starting to see that shift though like yeah. aquaman i why would you pick that one it's fun i mean it's a long slog but like it tonally it's a fun movie there are, wonder there woman there are three i was going to say there are three good Shazam. modern dc dcu movies they are wonder woman uh-huh shazam the and birds Snyder of prey cut justice league no okay <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Birds of Prey. Okay, interesting. Um, I, I I liked I liked whatever the James Gunn Suicide Squad is called. Um, I did not care for it. I when I say um, like it, I mean it was enjoyable, and I ne- don't need to watch it again. I I understand that my opinion of that movie is not the popular one, um, mm-hmm. but I found it deeply unpleasant to watch. Mm. Um, however, I do think that that is the direction that the dcu movies are going in and i don't hate it that kind of over the top um grand guignol style celebration of violence (laughs) does kind of (laughs) seem to be where they're settling into their oeuvre and honestly i just want to see i just want to see in my movies tones appropriate to the hero that they are featuring yes I have no interest in seeing a Batman level seriousness movie starring Wonder Woman. Like, don't want it. Don't uh, give it to me. We've we've seen the Batman level serious movie starring Superman. It's called Man of Steel, and it is a it's a it's a borderline great superhero movie and a terrible Superman movie. Is my my hot take on that film. Um uh but let's... i have a lot of thoughts about that movie that yeah, i but... don't think we should get into right now because we're not talking about superman that's right. a different episode right yes but 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 that but that is a good example of dc taking all the wrong lessons from uh our next homework assignment aha uh-huh, so what i did there um the the chris nolan uh the dark knight series and specifically batman begins um batman begins 2005 uh batman movie it is the first batman movie after batman and robin sort of killed the franchise dead um and this is a hard reset we are talking about how batman movies are often i guess i i never thought about the fact that the 90s movies are two pairs of films by like two directors right you have like two burtons in a row then two schumachers in a row um Mm -hmm. and and burton is obviously sort of quasi reacting against the 60s batman but also just doing his own thing schumacher is sort of reacting against the excesses of batman returns batman begins i think is clearly reacting against the excesses of batman and robin where we are doing a hard gritty reboot taking in elements of uh batman year one batman the long halloween and the man who falls um and this movie batman begins uh he uh his parents get gunned down in an alley and he uh goes to become learn travels the world to learn how to be a vigilante he gets wrapped up in rajao ghoul's league of assassins or league of shadows um and uh, learns the way of the ninja uh learns to become more than a man to become a symbol because symbols are invincible uh and then he um uh burns down rajao ghoul's house and leaves him for dead uh as he uh refuses <laughs> refuses to do- <laughs> Are you enjoying all the quotes that I'm uh, looping in here? Um, as he refuses to sort of to buy into the League of Shadows maximalist philosophy on things. Uh, so he returns to Gotham um, to fight crime, uh, teams up with Lucius Fox, uh, a dude who has no reason to give him knowing looks about what he's doing, yet constantly does, and we the audience are like, heck yeah. Uh, who gives him all the fun toys that he gets to play with. Um, eventually, Scarecrow shows up uh, to sow fear through a fear gas toxin. Um... And uh, Ra's al Ghul comes back because he's not actually dead. Because uh, he's been um, he's been Liam Neeson the whole time. Uh, 
It is set and shot mostly in Chicago, although with some CG elements. Uh, we also get to meet James Gordon. We get to meet um, Katie Holmes uh, is playing uh, Rachel Dawes, uh, childhood friend slash potential love interest this time around. Um, and we got uh, Tom Wilkinson as Carmine Falcone, the, the mob boss uh, who sort of runs the show in Gotham. Uh, definitely remember watching this movie in theaters loving it uh i forgot how much i enjoy this film it's a movie that i saw a lot and because of that i have not seen in a long time um and it was truly delightful to be able to watch again uh, i do think it's a little long because it's two hours 20 minutes um and you could probably shave some some things off but it is a it is a fantastic reboot for this character and does have some of those sillier elements that you that you might enjoy, although it takes itself very straight, straight and seriously. Um, and Martha, as you mentioned, it sort of set the tone and template for every single superhero movie we've seen in the last 25 years. Yeah. I mean, this movie is great. <laughs> um, I, in my ranking of all of the Batmans, mm -hmm. I have this one at three. Is it Forever Dark Knight than this one? Correct. Okay. Because The Dark Knight is a better movie. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, no. Uh, this hard, one I hard agree. Yeah, this one I think still has some focus issues. I think it's still kind of working out what our director and our lead actor want to be saying. Um, it has Christian Bale. Chris, it shows Christian Bale aging by using a truly unfortunate haircut for I... him as a younger man. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about his beard, which works, but no, the weird bowl haircut he's got as like a college student is yeah. abysmal. Um. Also, I don't. I I appreciate the attempt. The character of Rachel is just Rachel. Uh. Yeah. It, doesn't work for me yeah um i kind of don't love any love interest for batman i vicky, i feel vicky vale works because kim basinger and um keaton have good chemistry cat catwoman works because catwoman is a good foil to batman you have a fun like ooh, du dueling masked identities you know, is is it there? I was gonna say that one's less of a love interest and more of a we're both hot and we want a bone. Yeah, kind of deal. Yeah. Um, mistletoe is deadly if you eat it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I then... just I also I just get kind of tired about from about the or with the subplot of like I'm too devoted to being a superhero to like give you a full relationship like that is not a conversation i love in like literally any superhero property i appreciate that in this series that the dark knight series specifically it's the other way around it's like christian bale's like no i can totally be batman and we can date and rachel dawes is the one who's like no no we cannot do that um like it it, it, it takes the tortured element out of the batman side of things and into a more realistic like no human being would want to be with this person knowing that they run around at night dressed like a bat yeah um yeah i i don't love that whole 
deal. Um, I, I wonder if, so I have a longstanding theory that Nolan is just very bad with female characters. Um, yes. And I, I wonder, yes, correct. yeah, I wonder if, if a different director doing like literally just the Rachel scenes <laughs> um, might have created a better like I, through line for her. Um, I also just don't think Christian Bale is super great at romantic chemistry with people especially in this because he i i will say what i love in batman begins is that he plays he plays three different characters he plays like he plays batman and then he plays the the bruce wayne whose parents were murdered and who goes on a you know adventure across the world to learn how to be a, a crime fighter and then he and then that's also like bruce wayne in, in private and then he has the public face bruce wayne who's the one who's like buying hotels and uh you know hanging out with with supermodels and driving bugattis and whatever and that is that is just as much if not more of a mask than the batman persona and bale plays it well as like this is a mask and it sometimes well, he slips. also i mean <clears throat> he also very explicitly like this is something the movie tells us very explicitly like Michael Caine as Alfred, who is perfect, by the way. Yes, true. Um, is like, you need to do stuff that billionaires would do. Right. And Bruce is like, Date what models, would billionaires drive, do? <laughs> drive expensive cars. <laughs> yeah, Buy things like, that aren't for sale. Yeah, date beautiful women, like yeah. all of that. So like the 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 movie and and like tells you very explicitly that that is what he's doing. Right. And Christian Bale feels like he's cast because of American Psycho to do that part of the, the the Bruce Wayne role, which which had not been done before. Like, that, neither, none of the previous Batmans had really cared about, like, that side of Bruce Wayne. Um, I, mm, I don't agree. Which, which one? <laughs> well, we see, we see Keaton and Val Kilmer do things like go to arts benefits and... But they talk about like their charities. But neither of them are playing it in a way that makes it seem like that is like in those I... moments, it doesn't like Michael Keaton especially is just like sort of a weirdo in all of his versions of Bruce Wayne. So there's no clear dividing line between um like the Bruce Wayne who's at the party and like, you know, holding a benefit, and then the Bruce Wayne who's like having dinner with Vicky Vale and then the Bruce Wayne who's sitting in the back cave typing on the computer. Like they're all kind of the same guy. Whereas I also I also think that Keaton and Kilmer are both playing a slightly older version of Bruce Wayne. Mm. So with Christian Bale, you have somebody who's still kind of figuring out all of these like differentiations. And I think that Kilmer and Keaton are both playing a Bruce who is more settled into these roles. Sure. That he's playing, Kil Kilmer feels more almost like the the animated the the Batman the animated series where mm -hmm. he feels like during the day he is actively running Wayne Enterprises and has like you know an an active sense at least on what's going on in the company like he's visiting the R and D department he's got a secretary who's got his like mm -hmm. you know telling him what to do with the with the business and stuff whereas never through the bail run does he have an active hand in wayne enterprises he's always like the name and then he's being a socialite during the day and then a batman at night like he's never well except that we see him go visit lucius fox in r&d like but a lot but that's clearly his like his front right like 
that's him being like, I want a job at Wayne Enterprises, a.k.a. I want access to all that sweet tech I got. Well, like and... he, he's not running the company no, in any we... meaningful way. Whereas no, it feels like the Kilmer also... Batman might be. Or the, the Kilmer we Bruce also Wayne. get told we also get told that Wayne Enterprises is a publicly traded company. So I, like I think it's going public. Isn't that like the the whole thing? It's like in this movie it goes public. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying that I I think that it's I I don't know that there's a meaningful comparison to be drawn between how Kilmer's Bruce Wayne runs Wayne Enterprises versus how Bales does because I think the company is are canonically set up in different ways in both of those movies. That's fair. That's fair. But I do get your point. I guess uh, to me, it comes down to the idea mm-hmm. that like Kilmer's both Kilmer's Batman and Bruce Wayne just feel like whatever they're doing, they're like professionals at, and they're doing it like efficiently. And they've effectively. been, they've been doing it for longer. Right. I think. Right. But because of that, there's, there's sort of only the two, right? There's the, there's there, there's no sense of, and this is not a critique. Uh, there's no sense that that the public facing Bruce Wayne is as much of a mask as the Batman Bruce Wayne. And, and I know your argument is like because it's like, yeah, because he figured out how to make that mask like invisible. Um, but I, I think it's more interesting when the mask isn't invisible. OK, I, I think that those are two different takes, like two different. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. think it's I think that that comes down to like. Which version of Bruce do you prefer? Do you prefer him as a new Batman or do you prefer him as a Batman who's been in business for a while? Yeah, yeah. I think that there are interesting stories to tell on both sides of that coin. Yeah. Um, and I, I think Batman Begins does a good job at at telling the story it wants to tell. I also, I love Scarecrow. I love there's a through line of fear and whatnot. Um the Batman Forever originally was going to have Scarecrow as the villain, and they swapped him out with Riddler. Um, which, knowing that the end scene really felt more like a Scarecrow end scene of, in Batman Forever than a Riddler end scene. Um, but also for, for 1995, I'm glad they went with Riddler instead of Scarecrow. Yeah, and I don't think Scarecrow would have fit the vibe of that movie. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> like scarecrow would have been a better fit in one of the burton movies yeah um in addition to all the other ways the batman begins sort of like shaped and changed comic book cinema the end scene uh where you know gordon is both tying a bow on many of the major themes of the movie uh is also basically a marvel post-credit spoil like you know teaser scene for the next movie where we have the Joker playing card. Um, and I, I just remember the theater, like the frisson in the audience of, of that scene and people leaving on such a high note, um, which is why MCU taking that idea and running with it and making it a post credit scene is such a great idea. I'm really tired of the post credit sequence. <laughs> just put it in your movie. Right. Which is what Batman Begins does. Yes. Um, um I, my last hot take about the Nolan movies mm-hmm. is that however you may feel about Batman and Robin, it's still a better and more watchable movie than the dark Knight rises. I strongly disagree on that one. I could not finish it. I got halfway through and I was like, I'm going to throw myself out a window. If I have to hear any of these people say one more thing. You don't like Bane. 
Um, I don't like that version of Bane. See, <laughs> where where Batman Begins, I think, still maintains a level of like wry humor. The Dark Knight Rises is like I'm going to take myself so seriously. Yeah, it's like as serious as a gunshot. I mean, like like Batman Begins has the great like does it come in black line? The whole like Lucius Fox like oh yeah I'm a base jumping, cave diving weaponized like, hallucinogen huffing uh batman you know. and robin is a bad movie but you at least get the feeling that somebody at some point had fun while they were making it and i if given the choice between like deathly self-serious and ridiculous camp i think i'm gonna be a camp person every time because at I, least those choices are interesting there is nothing about the dark knight rises that is interesting i think this is where like i think this is why our rankings are so different because given those two i would not choose camp every time and i i agree that batman or dark knight rises has many flaws including its runtime um and a, a lot of things like talia al Ghul is not well developed you know whatever um but i think the first the first part of that movie all the bane stuff does actually really work for me um and i think there's a lot of interesting imagery and ideas that we're dealing with i love all the catwoman stuff um the last act of that movie is a hot mess that i will not defend uh but Anne hathaway is the best part of that movie oh yeah 100 percent um okay. <laughs> well, well, I, agreed. <laughs> uh, I i love bane too but i think Anne hathaway does does take it um and there's enough like chris nolan is a good action director he's a good he's a good vibes director and i i click onto his vibes pretty well um and so i i will happily i never know what you mean when you say vibes i feel like you use it interchangeably for a whole bunch of different things and i'm never quite certain (laughs) like like a a mood or a feeling right but that's batman and robin (laughs) like batman and robin is no story just vibes like, yes uh, yeah i mean yes batman and robin is only vibes uh I, I mean the specific vibe of nolan like his specific like aesthetic mood tone oh, the the through line of of most of his works is a a thing that i click on to um i guess and i do too like he has made quite a few movies that i've really enjoyed I just don't love him when he forgets his sense of humor. Like, I sure. think all of his best stuff is also a little bit funny. The best parts of Inception are the parts that, like, kind of laugh at itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's no room for any of that in The Dark Knight Rises. Again, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to defend The Dark Knight Rises other than to say that I think it's better than Batman and Robin. Um, Hard disagree. But, like, I would but like that, you that, to... to me, that is a low bar clearance situation. You want me to rank? I would like you I was going to say, I would like you to tell me your rankings now, please. Thank you. Yes. I think my rankings are Dark Knight, 89, Batman Forever, Batman... Re- no, uh, sorry. Dark Knight, 89, Batman Begins, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, uh, Big Cliff, Dark Knight Rises, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Uh, And I think that's all of the non-Snyder Batmans. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. What what are your rankings for the the listeners who don't want to go trawling through your Twitter feed from like four (laughs) months ago? And Uh, and did it change? A month ago, 
Like change from enough. what? Um, did you did you rewatch any of these for this, or were you just coasting on having watched them literally like a month and a half ago? I watched them a month and a half ago, and that is as good as all of you okay, are going cool. to get. Cool, because... cool. Because yeah, because there's no reason to watch these movies twice in two months. Truly. Um, no, my ranking was Batman Forever, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Batman 89, Batman Returns, Batman and Robin, The Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. So, so really, and... like, our, our rankings are not dissimilar, except for you, you jump Batman Forever way the heck up. Once, like... I'm sorry, not like also... sorry, sorry. For phrasing it that way made it seem like an uh, invalid choice. I just mean that like our your two, three, four is the same as my one, two, three, right? Like, yeah, I am also ranking them, and I I will do this for everything in on how much did I enjoy watching this? Sure. And I think that whether or not you agree with me on the fact that it's the best one or not, Batman Forever is deeply watchable. In a way that many of these movies simply are not. <laughs> oh, and I, I misremembered. I flip-flopped two of them. I just found my list. Um, and looking at it, I, I stick with this. Because of that criteria. So here is my, from one to seven, Batman Forever, The Dark Knight, Batman Begins, Batman 89, Batman and Robin, Batman Returns, Whoa. The Dark Knight Rises. Whoa. Because Whoa. what bumps batman and robin over batman returns for me is the fact that i hated the experience of watching batman returns <laughs> like it you, was you, so you, you were like it, it might be it might be a better made film or whatever but i have less i had less fun watching it i enjoyed it less like yes yeah. like both of those sequels i think have very similar issues and for me what it came down to was which of these did I not feel like I had spent the last hour swallowing sewage while I watched it? <laughs> no, it's, it's it's the penguin who swallows sewage and then spits it back up in <laughs> black bile nonsense, <laughs> eating raw fish. Uh, <laughs> um, well, let's uh, we we should we should get wrapping this up. But before we do, yes. any any hot takes on the forthcoming? Uh, Pattinson Batman that we haven't already covered uh, other than yeah. the, the sense that uh, Batman should be fun and not dour. Yeah, so I was very afraid that that was what we were getting. I'm still afraid of that. However, uh, Entertainment Weekly just did a photo shoot with Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz, uh, who is playing Catwoman. And if this movie is the return to horny Batman that those photos promise it will be, I'm back in. I mean, I was it- not excited. I was not excited until I saw that the two of them actually have great uh, physical chemistry. And so now, you know, if they can pull off, if they can make superhero movies horny again, which they have been pretty asexual for a very long time. Yep. Um, I'm into it. S- since Batman Begins, basically. Yeah, his, again, his chemistry. The chemistry just, just isn't. Not it, it isn't work. there. Yeah um yeah uh yeah i i i co-signed that that pattinson batman take um they're talking a big game about how it's going to be a return to him as the world's greatest detective and you know i would also enjoy that yeah as we were talking about on here like that's a thing we really haven't seen him do a whole lot um so those any of those things would be cool 
Um, I do not love the visual. I love the idea of Paul Dano as the Riddler. Um, don't love the visuals that we're getting so far. Um, you, you don't like gimp suit Riddler? Really don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, yeah. I agree. That was the photo that I saw that I was kind of like, really, are we still doing this? Um, I just, I want my Batman villains to have a sense of theatricality. It doesn't even have to be camp. I just think that the performative quality to who they are and what they do is so important. You want Bane. And I... <laughs> <laughs> go read say, the secret say, six say what you will he was a theatrical get off this podcast <laughs> get off this podcast go read the secret six once you have gotten to big daddy villain bane come back and we'll talk about my preferred characterization for that character i i enjoyed the the harlequin interpretation of bane because it's the same it's it's the uh the hearty voice but um a very different person I the only Bane that I am interested in is the one that takes care of the other smaller <laughs> members of his supervillain team. Daddy Bane. Yes, correct. <laughs> All right, that that seems like a good a place as any to end the episode. Um so, uh, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, where anywhere else fine podcatchers are sold, found, whatever. Um, as usual, one of your homeworks is to rate and review us. Tell your friends about us. Um, you know, let the algorithm gremlins bring us into more people's houses. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at DYDYH Podcast, and we've got that same handle over on Instagram. That's DYDYH Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook by just searching for Did You Do Your Homework Podcast, and you can email us at show at homeworkpodcast.com. Uh, Martha, where can people find you, and what else are you plugging? Uh, you can find me at all the places uh, at Magical Martha, including the newsletter that I write whenever I feel like it. That's at tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Uh, you can also see me for a limited engagement on uh, the YouTube channel SOOL Radio, where I am doing a uh, limited series with friend of the show Dan Carlin, uh, where we dissect each of the uh, Best Picture nominations leading up to the Oscars on March 27th. Nice. Uh, yes, what's... in our first episode we discussed the power of the dog and our second episode we discussed don't look up Ooh. so yeah yeah catch me what's, there what, what's the next one i believe the next one is either dune or nightmare alley i forgot which uh nice. order he's releasing them in uh, either way better than don't look up um truly <laughs> i was gonna say one of those is my least favorite of the ones that i've seen so far and one of them is my favorite of the ones i've seen so far um any other podcasts you might be uh showing up yeah on? i uh release love ya the show that i do with mar pete's wife marin uh, that releases on the same feed as this one, uh, where we alternate talking about a teen movie or a rom-com. Uh, we just released an episode <laughs> where we watched Dear Evan Hansen. For your sins. For our sins. Um, and our next episode will be on the, I believe it's Amazon original, The Book of Love. Oh, nice. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pico3000, that's P-I-K-O-3000, where I'm talking politics and pop culture. Um, and you can listen to us in two weeks when we're going to be talking about, uh, what do we want to call this? Contemporary portrayals of religion or religiousness, maybe? Uh, modern portrayals of religion or religiousness? Um, gonna be an interesting episode. I'm going to be assigning the, uh, the Coen Brothers movie, A Serious Man. Uh, Martha, what homework are you assigning? Uh, I will be assigning as many episodes of the 2019 HBO show, The Righteous Gemstones, starring Danny McBride and John Goodman, among others. Nice. Basically, just watch it, uh, get get the first couple under yeah, your belt, and episodes, keep going if you can. I believe all of the episodes are about are under 40 minutes, Ooh, so yes. just kind of however many you can fit into the next two weeks cool cool well great uh well we'll be talking about all of that in two weeks time and until then thank you so much for listening class dismissed they pull up the IMDb page for yeah, Batman I'm, Forever. I'm doing the same. Uh, you want you want that, and I can take the other two. Yes, because Batman Forever is my favorite one. Uh, I know. <laughs> I would very much <laughs> like to. And I I I put both 89 and Begins above Forever, but rewatching Forever, I'm like, I think it you're, slaps. I, I think you're insane for thinking it's better than the other two, but I can see why you would why it you like it. Understood the assignment. <laughs> Also, and we will I touch might, on I might just not like the assignment that it understood is what it comes <sighs> down to. But anyway. Um, How do you feel about Batman 66? Eh. It, okay. That makes like, more sense to me, though. I, I, I don't hate it. I just never, you know. It, it was never a big touchstone for me. Here is what I think Batman Begins misses and what I am actually glad that we're getting back in New Batman. I enjoy Batman when Batman is horny. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> and, and Batman Forever is not as horny as Batman Returns. That's but true. It's pretty, but also Batman Returns is like it's... the horniest superhero movie ever made. <laughs> ever made? <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <laughs> yes, and also correct. Every, everyone took one look at it and was like, this is the horniest superhero movie ever made. Uh, don't know if that's what I want to be seeing. Yes. I, I love Returns, like, but though. But also... I, I kind of want to take a shower <laughs> like i i love returns i might put it over for, i do put it over forever but i understand that it's a like How dare you i understand that it is a your mileage may vary movie and i'm not surprised that you put it below like that is a reasonable take that movie is holding a gun to your head the whole time uh i okay i i will say this now because it uh, doesn't actually belong anywhere in the uh normal thing um Billy D. Williams was cast as Harvey Dent in 89 on a multi-picture contract because he thought he'd be able to go on and be Two-Face. Originally, he was going to play the Max Shrek character as just Harvey Dent, and so Selena Kyle tasing him in the face at the end was going to be how he became Two-Face. Warner Brothers so did not want a black Harvey Dent that they bought him out of his contract and then just, like, buried that whole thing, made it Max Shrek, and then brought Tommy Lee Jones in for Two-Face later on. That's deeply upsetting. Yeah. Um, and it's Although, like, I love Christopher Walken as Max Shrek. I think that's a great character, and I'm glad we have him. But man, do I miss a three-movie arc of Billy D. Williams becoming Two-Face. Also, 
I truly love Tommy Lee Jones's two face. He, we can get in. He hated everything about the production, which is insane because it looks like he's having the most fun. I think everyone who worked with Jim Carrey on that movie hated the production. He he said to Jim Carrey, uh, "I cannot sanction your buffoonery." Yes, which is just. Mm. Well, because mm. Jim Carrey was like the personification of that become ungovernable. <laughs> the uh, meme. Hank, Hank, Hank the Tank. Yes. <laughs> um, we yeah, should start. We should. 